We're excited to continue our partnership with the Spice and Tea Exchange of Greenville. If you have not been down to the Spice and Tea Exchange on Main Street, you need to head in there. They've got a wide array of spices, loose leaf teas, seasoning blends, sugar, salts, and so much more from all over the globe. You're encouraged to come in, explore the shop, open jars, smell them, make sure you're going to like what you're getting. It's great for people who like tea. It's great for people who love cooking. Their staff is incredibly knowledgeable. Hey, and mention you heard it on the podcast and you'll get 15% off of your total purchase. The Spice and Tea Exchange of Greenville, partners of Yeah, That Soccer Show. Yeah, That Soccer Show is proud to be a part of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network powered by Ortho Carolina. Go check out all the great coverage of soccer in the Carolinas at soccer, the letter N, sweettea.com. This is Yeah, That Soccer Show. Your one-stop shop for all your soccer coverage in Greenville and the upstate. We want this show to be driven by you. So make sure you send us an email at yeahthatsoccershow at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at YTSS Podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome in, everybody, to episode number 49 of Yeah That Soccer Show. Excited to be with you once again. After week one of Greenville Triumph's inaugural season, but prior to match two, we're going to look back and look forward today. I apologize, this is getting to you later than I expected it to be. As most of you know, I have a newborn in the household now, so things don't quite always go on schedule or as planned. But I do want to talk a little bit briefly about last week's match down in Statesboro against South Georgia Tormenta. So if you were watching on ESPN Plus or if you were one of the handful that flew, that drove down, you didn't fly down there, one of the few that drove down to Statesboro to, take, to check out the match, uh, first I want to talk about a few things we talked about in terms of looking forward to the match. Uh, I was interested to see, one, what the broadcast quality was going to be, and man, I was impressed. I thought it was a great broadcast on ESPN plus. I thought the, uh, commentary was fantastic. I thought the presentation was really, really good. Loved the box up in the top corner. The score box was not taking up too much space. It, it was great. I thought, I thought it was really presented well, uh, and looked very professional. And then the one thing I was also curious about that we talked about last week was what was the level of play going to look like? Was this going to be more of a USL championship level looking type match, or is this going to be more of a USL League Two NPSL type match? And I got to say, I think it was the latter. I think you really saw the quality that is going to exist in this league on both sides of the field on last Friday. And I think, you know, I was talking to some friends. I think really, if you put either of these teams in the USL championship this year, uh, I don't think they're finishing at the bottom. I think you've got uh, you've got a lot of good quality. Now they're obviously I don't think they're going to win the USL championship level. There are some teams out there that are extremely talented, but I do think the talent level was very, very, very impressive. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the match. I thought uh, on the whole, I thought Greenville looked really good. In fact, I think Greenville looked better, looked like the better team for most of the match. I think we had. 
the better scoring chances. We had better possession, maybe not even percentage-wise more possession necessarily, just like the possession we had looked better. I think what you saw from Tormenta was a lot of bogging down the midfield, trying to stop Greenville right there in the middle of the field. If you checked out the article over at GreenvilleGVLSoccer.com I wrote this week, you can see the heat map that Greenville had versus what Tormenta had. It seemed like the defense played really, really, really well for Greenville. I was very impressed with the defensive back line. Uh, Dallas J obviously had a, had a really good game. He had a couple of very, very good saves. I think there's some. I think there was obviously a little bit of uh, rust on his his play, but I think that's to be expected. I mean, the goalkeeper is one of the positions that if you don't have actual in game minutes, you really you can really lose form pretty quickly. Quickly, he has not been a starting goalkeeper for the last few years. Um, I think he's more than capable. I think he's extremely talented, and he looked good. And I think the more that he gets in the rhythm of having those live game minutes, the better he is going to get throughout the season. The back line looked really strong. Um, and I think even the goal, the one goal that we let through was kind of on a really wonky blown assignment. You had some guys way up the field. It seemed like our defenders were playing very, very high when we were in possession, even over onto the Tormenta side. That's what happened on the goal. Uh, you had uh, Kevin Pollitz, you had, Cole Seiler, you had Tyler Pollock all up there who got caught and made some moves to try and stop that play and got burned. And I think that's what happened. And then, you know, right there at the end, Evan Lee, one guy trying to defend two guys, he was doing the right thing. I feel like Dallas maybe could have been a little more aggressive coming out after it. But even then, you know, I think if he comes out a little faster, maybe it's even an easier goal. So maybe I don't. Maybe that's not fair, uh, but regardless, I think the one play was the only thing that you saw uh, really of a letdown for Greenville, and I think it's a good sign. I think everything points to this team being very good. Um, I think you saw both teams early on in the match kind of, I don't know if it was first game jitters, if it was trying to warm each other up, trying to figure each other out a little bit. Took till about the 8th to 10th minute before the game really picked up, and from there it looked really good. Now, a couple things that I thought looked really, really good for Greenville. I already talked about the defense, how strong that performance was, how much they really did not let Tormenta have the ball inside the 18-yard box. Um, I think one of the things that looked good for Greenville in my mind was the physicality. Uh, this referee, uh, let them play a little more physically. And I think that was to Greenville's benefit. I think if we get a ref, that's going to let us play a little more physical. I think our guys have the capability to do that. Um, in particular, Aaron Walker and Paul Klaus, they're in the midfield playing defensively strong defensive mids. I think they were bodying people off the ball. And, uh, I think that was a way to do it. Uh, really well. And honestly, the great thing was Greenville didn't pick up a single card, not a yellow, not a red, nothing. And for that kind of physical matchup to not pick up a card, I think really shows the discipline that this team has to play both physically, but also not put your team in a bind by picking up senseless cards. And while we're on the topic of both the defensive play and the physicality, I think it's important to look at Formation. Well, this is one of the things we talked about in our preview last week. I 
said that John Harks likes to play kind of a four three three or a variant thereof. We had played in the in the preseason in a three five two five three two variation, and that's actually what the lineup looked like coming out from the team and from the league at the game. Although the league and the team had some differences on who they had playing where, ultimately it shifted during the game, so I don't think it really matters too, too much. But uh, when you look at the average position for the players on the field, it actually looks like Greenville played more of a 4-2-3-1 with uh, you had a back line there of Tyler Pollock, uh, Evan Lee, Cole Seiler, and Kevin Pollock. Pollock's playing over on the right, Pollock playing over on the left as kind of your outside backers who are pushing up closer to midfield than uh, the other two backs. And then you had two kind of defensive midfielders. Talk about them, Aaron Walker, Paul Klaus. You had three midfield guys, uh, or three attacking midfielders. You had Jake Keegan out on the left. You had Sammy Gadiri there at the 10 slot in the middle and out on the right. You had Chris Bermudez. And then up top, playing that striker role, was Cameron Saul. Now, a couple of things I thought were interesting. One, Cameron Saul at striker is maybe was not my favorite thing, at least for that matchup. I'm not saying it won't work. But I think the thing the, the team struggled with the most this game was just finishing chances. I think they had a lot of chances in the box. In fact, there was one, uh, it was either a corner, I think it was a corner kick, got in, the, no, it was a free kick. It went right into the wall, dropped behind for Jake Keegan. He got a foot on it, but pushed it high. There was one chance Cameron Saul had where he pushed it wide um, and then just didn't seem like we could finish any chances. Cameron Saul was playing a lot with his back to goal and trying to, you know, some hold up play, but then he couldn't ever seem to get turned to, to get a clean shot on goal. Even the shot he took was kind of a wonky whiff in, in a way. And so I think he has potential as a striker. Um, He's played mostly as a midfielder in his career and played as midfield up in Asheville. So I was interested to see what he looked like at striker. And honestly, I was kind of surprised that Jake Keegan was not uh, playing more of a central role just because all the highlight film I'd seen of Jake is really good at connecting those crosses into the box. That seemed to be a lot of what Greenville was looking to do. They had plenty of, you know, crosses out there on the, on the, on the wide corners, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, and just couldn't have anybody finish it. And I'm, I'm just, I'm curious to see if coach Harks moves some pieces around. Obviously he knows what he's doing far more than I do. Uh, but I, I was surprised. I was just surprised by seeing Jake out on the left wing and Cameron there in the middle set pieces. I think left a little bit to be desired as well. Uh, you know, the corners and the free kicks, we, we got some really, really good chances, really good positions for some free kicks. we got a lot of corners and yet we just, uh, we couldn't ultimately make anything come of it. And I think that's part of the, part of the thing with finishing, you know, I, I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that Greenville, we talked about maybe potentially having a, a signing come in mid season or some, even here in the early season, once the championship and MLS teams get going and kind of figure out their roster situation, I'm hoping maybe they've got their eye on a striker or at least a heavily attacking finisher, um, from the midfield. Cause I think that is probably the biggest area of need that I see at the moment for the boys in green and blue. 
Um, had a hard time breaking down Tormenta's midfield. Uh, and, you know, that was just part of how Tormenta was playing. I think that was their strategy going in. Their defensive backs, not quite as strong as their midfielders. So I think they're, they're, they saw something in Greenville to say, we need to just bog down the middle. They did a really good job of that. Now, the one like major, major highlight I thought for Greenville was the play out on both wings. Jake Keegan out on the left. Again, I, you know, I'd love to see him play centrally and see what he could do there. But even when he was out on the left wing, he was so fast, especially with the ball at his feet. He just he would just run. He would he would out outmaneuver some guys. He took a couple long range shots that really had good chances. Uh, had it not been for a couple of really good saves there by the Tormenta keeper. And then maybe the man I was most impressed with was Chris Bermudez out on the right. Young guy has played, you know, with some with some good organizations, but man, he like came out of nowhere. He's super shifty. He's super maneuvering around with the ball at his feet. He was able to he had a really great nutmeg on one of the uh the central backs for Tormenta. And he was also really good at drawing fouls. He set up a couple of those really good free kicks outside the box. Um, and then one thing, the only thing I kind of saw noticed about him is he seems to hold on to the ball maybe just a just a tad bit too much, a tad bit too long. He can't quite, uh, he doesn't get rid of it quite quickly enough every time. And so I think that's going to be something that maybe just comes with maturity. And, and also as as the team develops more chemistry, he'll kind of know a little more of like where he can dump it off more. Um, but he was very, very impressive. But ultimately wanted to make uh, pick a man of the match. I thought Kevin Pollitz was right up there with, with, for me the whole match uh, until the goal. Uh, and then, you know, Kevin pl- was playing fantastic. He had a really, really bad play. Uh, that led that helped contribute to that goal being scored. So that ultimately knocked him down enough for me that I felt like I needed to go a different direction. And so ultimately I decided to look at Sammy Gadiri in that 10 role. I know he was the first sub to come out and only played for about two thirds of the match. But while he was in there, he really blew me away. He was, uh, he was creating tons of offensive attacks. He was on the ball a lot. He was helping drive the plays forward but then he also was like running all over the field, making some incredible tackles, some incredible defensive plays all the way back in the box. Kind of reminded me a little bit of the Miguel Almaron role that he played with Atlanta United. Just kind of a guy who's pacey, a guy who's back and forth, who's going to be all over the field. You're going to see him everywhere making plays. He has the uh, he has the heart to, to make it happen. And so uh, I think he's going to be a big player for... Greenville this season. So ultimately did not take the victory in the first match and didn't, I I felt like it would have been, this was one of those matches that to me felt like it would have been a good draw. Um, The play was pretty even most of the match. I mean, I think Greenville looked like a little bit of the better team, but I think a draw would have felt like a fair result there. And so you know, you hurt a little bit to not pick up any points with that match, but it's the first match of the season. There's a long way to go. We got 27 more matches and plenty of time to to stake claim to the top spot in the league. So I'm excited to see what happens next. And so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to break down Saturday's matchup, the first home game for Greenville Triumph against Lansing Ignite FC. 
Here at Yeah That Soccer Show, we're always excited to tell you about our sponsors so that you can support them because they support us and we're able to bring you the shows thanks to all of their generosity. And that includes Brad Butchkowski of the Wonder Check Realty Group. You can find him on social media at Brad Butchkowski, B-U-C-Z-K-O-W-S-K-I, or I am Brad B on Twitter. Or you can check out his website, brad.selling-greenville.com. That's Brad Butchkowski with the Wonder Check Realty Group. Welcome back to episode number 49 of Yeah, That Soccer Show. It's time to get into the preview for Saturday's match, the first home match in team history for the Greenville Triumph. Lansing Ignite FC coming down from Michigan to take on our boys in green. So what can we look for on Saturday? Well, the first thing is sellout legacy. This has been the push for the Reedy River Riot and the team have been pushing. Let's sell out legacy for months now. The Triumph have done everything they can do. They've gone on the news. They have pushed into advertising, billboards, all kinds of things. They've tried to show up on podcasts. They've made themselves readily available to as many media outlets as possible. They showed up downtown with a Triumph car the other day to help promote the big game on Saturday. They're doing everything they can do, and uh, it's going to be perfect weather. seems like it's going to be mid to upper 70s, maybe a little bit of clouds, but no rain coming I think it's uh, it's a good chance that they may actually sell out this home opener. That would be super exciting. Excited to see what that looks like. Another thing to keep your eyes on, the Reedy River Riot. Our friends over at the Riot have been working for nearly two years now from started as a petition, has now grown to an actual living supporters group in the triple digits of membership. They are going to be, obviously, this is their first run through in terms of a home match. They've got tailgate plans. They've got uh, everything sorted out. They are going to be in their supporters section. It'll be interesting to see what the supporters group looks like. I know they have posted up some chants with some little clips to get a get an idea of what kind of chants we're going to be doing at the matches. So that is a good start. That's a good start for the team. And I, I think Saturday is going to go a long way to showing what the Game day atmosphere at Legacy Field is going to be like this season, and I think uh, I think it's going to be interesting. We'll see if the Riot have maybe a TIFO planned, or if nothing else, some banners and some flags. Uh, I think it'll be a, it'll be an interesting day to see the the supporters group kind of get their their first uh, their first display on the big stage there at Legacy Field. The other thing I want to that I'm going to be looking at, at least in terms of gameplay on Saturday is Greenville's defense that we talked about being probably, possibly one of the best in the league, especially after their week one showing, versus Lansing, who has on paper one of the best attacking groups in the league. Um, They hung up three on Richmond last week. Now, their defense... Let them down. They gave, they let Richmond come back and uh, and nearly knock it even with them. They gave up two goals in the second half late in the game. So uh, there are goals to be had in this match. I don't think this is going to be a one nil grinder like you saw last week. I think Greenville has the potential to score several on the weaker defensive Lansing, and I think uh, Lansing has the potential to score. But I think Greenville's defense is going to do. A really good job. That's why I really think uh, I really think Greenville has a good. This is a good matchup for them. A couple of players to watch for Lansing. 
Xavier Gomez is uh, their midfielder. He's number 10, former MLS draftee. He's kind of the engine of the midfield. Uh, he had a, a goal and an assist in their first match. He's, uh, he's one to watch. He might be an MVP candidate for the league, um, and he is definitely kind of the man in the middle who gets them going. Their striker, Steve St. Duke, Haitian Youth International, former LAFC signee. Uh, he's expected to be in the running for golden boot of the league. Now, he didn't score last week, but he did have an assist on the very first goal in team history, and he is definitely someone that has the strong ability to score goals, and I think that's going to be uh, he's going to be interesting to watch. Now, the third person I have on the list for potential players to watch is number 14 for them, there's a guy named Nick Moon. Nick Moon is listed on their page as a defender, but he is, uh, last week he played more as a right mid, right wing type player, but he's played most of his career as a forward. So don't get it twisted. He might be uh, as it, listed as a defender or playing more centrally, but this guy has a nose for goal and anywhere he is on the field, you got to keep your eye on him because he has the potential to put one in the back of the net. Now, here's my prediction. You've been waiting for it. Uh, but before we get to the prediction, I want to drop in a little nugget here. been running a contest over on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages this week for a little swag pack. I'm going to do a, another bonus chance to get another, a different, a separate swag pack, mostly the same stuff, but uh, just another chance for some folks to rep the pod and the website here. All I need you to do, you can tweet me, you can DM me, uh, preferably DM me or send us an email at yeahthatsoccershow at gmail.com by Sunday at 8 p.m. Obviously, I don't think too many people are going to be listening to this after the match, but uh, if you listen to this before the match on Saturday, just get me get to me uh, before Sunday at 8 p.m. and just tell me you listened to the podcast and you heard this, and I'm just going to throw a word out there. Let's see. Let me look around the room, see what I can find. Um, why don't you just text me the word race car, text me the word race car, DM me the word race car, or send us an email over at yeah, that soccer show at gmail.com race car. And I'll put your name in the hat for a bonus drawing swag pack. We've got a, uh, yeah, that soccer show hat in there, some stickers and some soccer and sweet tea stuff as well. So if you just, uh, give me that word race car over to me and I will put you in that bonus drawing for that swag pack. Now, let's get on to the prediction for this week. Take it to the bank. Lansing's making their second big road trip. They went from Michigan to Richmond, Virginia last weekend. They're going from Lansing, Michigan to Greenville, South Carolina. This week, uh, like I said, they took a 3-0 lead early, nearly let that slip away from them last week. They also have next week a big their big home opener, and then that same week, I think midweek, They've got their big Capital Cup with Michigan State. So they got a lot on the horizon. They might be looking ahead a little bit. Um, and the goals they conceded to Richmond, uh, one was from a penalty and one was from a really, really bad defensive clearance. I don't think their defense is that great. Um, they also had four yellow cards. Their team saw four yellows in their match last week. Greenville didn't see any cards. I think discipline's going to come into play in this matchup, and I think uh, Greenville is going to get the win to nil 
You know, they're going to be wearing the orange and white. Most of you know I'm a big uh, Tennessee Vols fan. They're going to be looking like Tennessee out there on the field, but I don't think they're going to get the victory. Hey, that might be looking a lot like Tennessee lately anyway. So I think Greenville's going to get the 2-0 victory over Lansing on Saturday. Um, I'm going to be out there. Hey, I'm going to be on the sidelines a little bit filming. Um, I'm also uh, going to be in my seats. I might try to venture over to the Reedy River Riot section for a little bit. Um, but I'm on the first row in uh, in section 116. So if you uh, if you want to come by and say hey, come look for me. Love to uh, meet you if you're a fan of the podcast. If I don't know you yet, um, but uh, come out and check us out. I will be out tailgating with the Reedy River Riot as well. I'll probably be hitting up the Fan Village. I got to go check out the soccer darts. It's a big thing for me. I want to do that. I want to see the the Triumph car out there. So. Uh, hope to see you guys out there tomorrow. It's going to be a, a good, a good, uh, a good event. And I think we're going to sell it out. So, um, we'll see you there. Hey, and if you, if you have a question, I'm going to be interviewing senior vice president, Stephen short of the U of USL league one. If you have some questions that you, if you listen to this tonight, Friday night or early Saturday, get them to me. I'm going to be interviewing him on Saturday afternoon. Uh, would love to to get your questions to to add to the list of things that we want to talk about with him. That'll be coming out as a bonus podcast next week. And we got big episode number 50 next week. What is that going to be? I think I have a little something up my sleeve. We'll see if that pans out or if, uh, or if episode 50 winds up just being a recap from this week. Hopefully it won't be uh, taking so long to get the recap and preview for next week up uh, podcast. So uh, thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you guys at, on Saturday at Legacy Field for the Triumphs home opener.